Hello and welcome to the Technology Podcast. Our guest today is recognised as an expert on cyber defence and cyber security. For just over two years, Dave Trader has been the cyber security practice lead at Presido. He has also received numerous endorsements from the Department of Homeland Security, FBI and NSA. We discover more about his career background, the business model behind Presido and some of his insights into the current trends in technology. We might just start off with the first question I asked, which was um, uh, outline Presidio's history and business model. Now, sure. I know that's all on the, on the, on the web, but um, I think from, particularly from your point of view, I'd like to see your perspective. Sure. So um, Presidio has done a fantastic job of positioning themselves as a, uh, a, a, a digital transformation company. And, and uh, what's what's unique about Presidio is the, is the different versions and the different perspectives that they bring to the table from traditional infrastructure around, you know, full stack. And I'm actually calling it full stack plus capabilities because uh, they came from that infrastructure space and that, uh, that traditional VAR methodology. And they've really um, just brought these services forward on top of, you know, being able to provide equipment and gear, but really providing expertise um, around cloud, around collaboration, uh, certainly around cybersecurity, and, and then their core business, which has always been providing expertise around infrastructure, um, and, and not just implementation, but uh, operations. And we've got managed services now uh, and professional services that complement uh, the traditional, um, you know, uh, just per the equipment providing equipment uh, you know, to our to our customers. So we've really become that uh, trusted advisor on not only you know what product you know is best for my environment but what you know how do i go about implementing that how do i go about installing that um and they've really done a great job uh, we've we've changed with the times uh, certainly in the last year we've, we've we've adapted even to the latest challenges but over time you know we've got a cloud focus now we've got a we've, we're, we're um, the number one partner to aws now we're able to you know transition and help companies you know with their workloads in the cloud um, not only just getting them efficient in the cloud, but also securing those workloads. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a great you know transition. But the historical model that we were typically known for on the infrastructure side, uh, certainly we've adapted and evolved over time, and, and been able to to uh, to step into the new role where you know it's really just every across the board. Um, we know we we've done a great job. I will mention two two different acquisitions that we made in the last year. Um, to take us even to a more global uh, footprint. Uh, and we've been excited about these and made announcements in the last couple of weeks here. But uh, one of those acquisitions is Coda. And um, it really rounds out our portfolio uh, to the top of the stack, um, you know, going, going a little bit uh, higher up, being able to do some coding um, and, and get into the app rationalization space. So, and then we've, we've, we're able to do... Uh, what I say is the traditional side being that full stack capability, but now also software development, which was uh, not in our portfolio before. So really uh, happy about that. And then ArcFire is the other acquisition that we just announced. And ArcFire um, is really their wheelhouse is logistics and helping us get some of that gear, um, you know, uh, globally into the hands of you know, where it needs to go uh, as we as we uh, you know uh, try and get try and get different people uh, access to access faster, I should say, to the to the equipment and the gear that we're we're shipping out to them. But um, you know, really that that ArcFire uh, acquisition uh, get they're out of Dublin, so that it, it allows us to have a, an even more global footprint. And we're really excited about what they're going to be able to do for us as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I picked that up on and 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 your recent um, uh, is it upgrading of your relationship really with AWS? Yes. Um, what 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 what's the significance of that? So I mean, many, many, many companies are adopting that cloud, um, a cloud infrastructure, a cloud presence, and that has to do with uh, a number of things. Uh, maybe the traditional model of a data center centric environment uh, has been converted with the secure access service edge and Gartner's call it the, the SASE model, right? Where we're trying to get those applications closer to the user. Um, and that, that has to do with latency and uh, backhauling you know, backhauling data to the data center just to go to the cloud when they're closer to the cloud anyway. And it's really, uh, and there's some security concerns with how to do that correctly, but we're seeing a lot of that, especially with the workforce transition moving uh, to, you know, to the home front. And, and uh, you know, with we've seen organizations with 70% of their workforce moving to, you know, maybe uh, working from home and, and out of traditional brick and mortars, which, you know, has, has, has pushed the project a little bit uh, uh, bumped it up on the priority list because people who were going to a cloud, um, you know, to a cloud infrastructure uh, took a look at that a lot faster during COVID. But we call that cloud right. Um, and, and what we mean by cloud right is um, it's not a cloud first uh, interpretation. And we've heard that term and that terminology for the last, the last decade or so with people, you know, adopting cloud first. It, it really depends on the workload. It really depends on the application. It depends on the infrastructure that app, that application sits on. And so when we say cloud right, it might, you know, we, we want to do that evaluation. We want to help with that evaluation. And we want to know if cloud is the right choice to go to, because sometimes in some cases it is not. So um, we, we, uh, we help our customers along those paths as well. But AWS specifically, uh, it's just that there we're a tremendous partner there. Of course, we, we, do, we do partner with Google and, uh, and Microsoft as well, but um, primarily uh, we've just been seeing you know, many customers adopting that AWS environment. We've, we've brought on expertise to be able to handle that workload. Uh, that's procedure, but what about your, um, your, your role in your department? Um, can you tell us how that fits in, basically? Yeah, Struct absolutely. Structurally, you know. Absolutely. So we we call that intrinsic security, and what we mean by intrinsic security is security is uh, basically weaved into the fabric of everything, from the code uh, way left. Um, we call in in the DevSecOps space um, as you're doing secure coding and as you're doing software assurance, making sure that security is baked right into that. Um, and then, and I'll take to the other end of that is is the de the deployment. Um, you know, through the edge devices, through everything that we provide through uh, to assessment. And AWS is in cloud is certainly a, a good example of that. Um, we believe security has to be in, in the process and at every step of the way. Uh, so again, from, you know, right down from the code through uh, extreme testing or red team exercises where we're testing the code and then, or, or we're testing, you know, the environment and uh, we're looking for gaps and weaknesses and vulnerabilities that we can exploit and uh, kind of that uh, paying your own bad guys type thing so that we can, we can test uh, and give you the keys that we found uh, to get into the, to your environment and then go back and help you with remediation and mitigation on that. So, uh, you know, it, it's really full scope. It's, it's full spectrum. We have to do, we have to make sure that security is included in everything. And certainly um, the AWS environment or any cloud environment whatsoever, uh, we need to make sure that those things are buttoned down and we're either using the native, uh, the native tool sets that come along with those cloud environments or we're bringing up, you know, some on-prem in, in a hybrid approach. 
maybe the tools that you've used to, you know, that you're used to using uh, in your environment and you, that you've had for the past, you know, the, in 10 to five, 10 years, um, it, they're certainly capable of being able to be uh, applied to a cloud environment. And, and we're helping companies um, realize what that looks like and, and helping them get to that space. Since you've been at um, Presidio, what, what um, changes have you made? How many, how many people are in your team for start? Sure. Um, so uh, we have over 300 uh, cybersecurity professionals uh, at Presidio. Um, and uh, that, that's quite a few uh, in my team, particularly. Uh, I, I came on to Presidio as a security practice lead and I was responsible for 10 states. In January, uh, Presidio asked me to take over in a global responsibility for the field CISO program. So um, now I've got you know, international uh, responsibility and we're carving out that program. Uh, I am our field CISO. And so now I support about 12 to 18 different uh, security practice leads across uh, domestic, um, but also I oversee our international operations with some of our acquisitions that we've got as well. Hmm. And, and, and have you made any radical changes in, the, in, in that? I mean, you mentioned, of course. One of the services that we, that we, um, that we really have tried to uh, double down on since my arrival is our VSOC services and our, our virtual security operations center services and being able to bring that forward. Uh, we saw a little bit of a gap in the marketplace where um, you know, there, there, there was some third party risk going on and but then the VSOC services kind of lacked because we saw people that were adopting and trying to bring in their own VSOC services, which can work for a little while for companies, but the problem is so large that it, it ends up enveloping their entire team um, and they feel overwhelmed. So they're looking for some managed services carved out um, around security, around VSOC, and we've uh, we've really created a, a great offering around that to bring our subject matter expertise and really be able to promote uh, internal enterprise security teams so that they can handle the major things, and then uh, it, we're in there being able to handle the the everyday things and be able to protect environments. And we've really created a great practice around that. Sounds great, yeah, and and um, popular in the market, I've no doubt. Yeah, sure. So we've got to talk about COVID. It's um, it's uh, it's a when it comes to procedure itself, your work working practices there. We're all working from home now, of course. How quickly could you adapt? Well, we adapted um, very quickly. I remember uh, we basically put a freeze on travel back in this time last year. Um, and then, yeah, Presidio as a whole is working from home right now, just like the rest of the world. Um, and uh, we, we still have a number of our offices. And then we have some critical personnel, of course, that are working in data centers and things like that, that are also um, a, a adopting and adapting, you know, the, some COVID protocols to help keep them safe. But really, I think what we saw in the market was an, a, a complete shift from 70% of the workforce uh, working in brick and mortar to, you know, that can be being completely uh, inverted and where 30% of the workforce is working from, from traditional brick and mortar stores, 70% needed to stay home. And uh, a lot of security concerns come with that. There's shadow IT off the top of my head. Uh, there is also, uh, we saw an increase in VPN licensing go through the roof because um, that was the only way that they could bring them through. And that was really all they knew. But then we also saw um, the, the secure access service edge come front and center into the conversation, which again, that, that speaks to that data center centric model being inverted and really pushing us closer to the cloud because he didn't want that latency. And we had, I know we had engineering companies and, and architects that were uh, spending close to six, seven hours downloading blueprints and things that they were working on because of that 
back call. And because they were working from home and not from you know, a dedicated perspective on, on prem. Uh, so we saw that change in the market, but security specifically, you know, what does that do to security? And, you know, we saw an increase in um, that identity access management and, and really focused on identity access management and real time, uh, real time assessment uh, of, of what was happening, you know, with the end user on the endpoint specifically. That's the reason I see endpoint moving into the conversation more and more because that perimeter is dissolved, right? And, and especially where we are today, it's gone. Um, you know, what are we going to do about that? We really have to focus on the end user. And I see, you know, you, things like UEBA um, playing uh, playing a, 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 a very important role. Um, you know, we, we call that uh, the impossible login or the impossible traveler where, you know, the, we know the person's location is here and they're trying to log in from here. It's a very simple rule that you can put in effect that'll say time out. Let's take a closer look at this. Something's wrong. Let's ask that user to reauthenticate or, you know, uh, increase the escalation and re in increase what we're asking them for to prove that that uh, that that, uh, that validation is real from that user. So uh, we're seeing that and we're seeing companies adopt that and which is a great thing. MFA is also, you know, a part of identity access management, but we're seeing, uh, you know, Duo has, uh, has really, uh, has got a great program around their MFA and how they're doing UEBA. And I see that get integrated around the identity access planning at enterprises and it's really working out well. Yeah, were you able to, to carry out an acquisition like uh, Arcfire without actually nipping over to Dublin the whole time? Uh, un unfortunately, yes. Um, and I and I uh, I've actually been making some inquiries because I think some work needs to be done over there, and uh, and hopefully it'll get my uh, you know my expertise is specifically because I would love to get over there and uh, and work with the team and, and see how they're doing things. I, I have had a chance to take a cursory look remotely, but I'm uh, I'm excited for when uh, we can travel again and hopefully uh, I can come see the facilities and see the country. I, I, so it's it's always been something on my list that I'd like to do. Absolutely, you can't fail to have a good time in Dublin. I can show you. That's what I hear. The 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 question of um, the question of how the the landscape has changed with regard to cyber attackers and, and escalated. We know that, but um, what 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 are, what are they what are they finding that you're having to parry away? Yeah. So. Like with any other change, um, the the hackers and, and organized crime is going to take advantage of the situation, and they certainly have done that. And I mentioned shadow IT earlier. When all of us went, you know, home, we also have systems at home that all we have to do is log on to Office or download Office applications that maybe that comes from the enterprise onto personal systems, and then we're off and running. The, multiply that by the by the millions and that's really what's happening and that's really what shadow it is it's just uh, shadow it represents a, a piece of equipment that the company doesn't own that the user is working off of and that everyone's doing that you're kind of just sharing that and it used to be called byod and we had you know mdm policies in place for a little while and, and most companies still have that but you know traditionally we're allowing companies to work from their own personal gear and what what does that bring with it from a threat landscape perspective you know you can do things to check that system before allowing it to connect into the network if you're doing that, great. But in most cases, I would say, you know, 70% of cases, companies are not doing that, those validations ahead of time. And really what you have is on the back end, that system might not have any type of antivirus or um, MDR that's, you know, that, that's watching uh, that system uh, closely to be able to prevent attacks. 
and we're seeing compromised systems being allowed into the enterprise because of this oversight. Um, those that that is that's on purpose. These hacking organizations have done that on purpose because they know mm -hmm. that some organizations are um, you know are just are just not paying attention to that particular uh, that threat vector. Um, so I've seen I've seen I've seen hackers capitalizing on that. I've also seen an uptick since November of 2020. Uh, of organizations really doubling down on ransomware. Um, and, I, and I've seen it in almost every vertical and uh, it's, prolifer it's proliferating and it's, it's, it's definitely proficient um, in, in many aspects. Uh, I've seen it in healthcare, I've seen it in retail and incident response has, has doubled or tripled since November. Um, and, and we're helping companies uh, recover and, and basically step through that triage uh, and, and getting them stabilized and then moving into recovery. We've seen that effort. I, I do that on almost a, at least field three or four calls weekly from major companies that are suffering um, and don't know really what to do or where to turn. And we're launching you know, a, a critical incident response team. Um, sometimes it's on site, uh, even during COVID, just depending on the, on the, uh, uh, you know, on the severity of the incident. Um, but really, you know, it's helping companies recover from these attacks. And I've seen I've seen companies upwards of 52, 53 percent of the network is scorched earth. Uh, so they unrecoverable. Uh, they can't can't get back. And you know what 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 does that look like from a recovery standpoint, from a business perspective and, and survivability perspective? So really, um, in dealing with those conversations on recovery and you know incident response and triage, and just being familiar with what that looks like. I'm trying to have more and more conversations on the proactive side. And you mentioned that Boss Magazine article with the left and right of boom. I'm trying to have many more conversations proactively so that you don't need that instant response. But even, you know, it, it, it's tricky because if you do even everything that, that I would prescribe as best practice or that, um, you know, that, that the security industry would, would, would prescribe as best practice, it doesn't mean that, you know, a state-sponsored entity is not going to be able to breach your perimeter and you're not going to suffer some type of ransomware attack so, or um, a cyber attack in general. So we're seeing a, a ton of that. Uh, and I just really see that the, these, these organized crime uh, and, and hacking organizations have, have doubled and tripled. Uh, their efforts. Uh, I think while they feel that the enterprise is working from home and has transitioned to that, they feel that there's a weakness there and, and they're not wrong. Uh, but certainly there are things that we can do to prevent that even while the workforce is working from home and we're working tirelessly on that. Prevention is always better than recovery. So looking forward to, to this year, um, what about the company's strategy and, and your strategy of your team how is that how is that going to develop what are your, what are your, what's your roadmap basically so i really see you know on the threat landscape i've i've made some 2021 predictions for for what i see happening i just see more more of the same uh, is is really what i see um, uh, especially around ransomware i think that's going to that's going to pick up but what are we doing you know from my my team's perspective to, to help out on that um, i think our trusted advisor and advisory services position is going to become even more relevant um, we have seen the conversation the cyber conversation go from um, you know uh, just uh, maybe at a director level to a, a CISO. I've seen many companies adopting CISOs and hiring CISOs and the conversation has come up even into the board. So it's C-level and board. And I've been doing a ton of board presentations just to give them the lay of the land from a cyber threat perspective, but also what is best practice and what do we do around how to solve this problem? I will say that uh, you know the, the mountain is not, um, 
is not too large. It's not insurmountable. Uh, if you do the fundamentals correctly and if you do the best in practice, you can prevent a significant amount of, uh, you know, of, of these issues that are happening all around the world. So we're, we're, we're definitely uh, doubling down this year on the advisory services. Our VSOC and MDR plus services that are coming to market uh, this summer uh, are also going to be able to, to help out across the board. Um, and then we've got some great partners that we continue to partner with. And, um, you know, I know we'll probably, you know, get to a conversation about them, but I, I rely heavily on, on what the partners are doing because they're in this space. They, they're creating these appliances in most cases and they bring in these services and a lot of them do a tremendous job at what they do and just highlighting that and being able to support that effort uh, is key to our role, you know, as well, um, you know, as a, as a, as a as a, a value-added reseller in that in that context, but also just being able to learn, you know, uh, what they're doing differently and what differentiates them, and being able to solve customer issues by knowing uh, that particular partner and what they do um, is is vital as well. So I see that effort continuing. My team is going to continue to grow. We're hiring across the country uh, and across the world, really, and we're going to continue to uh, be able to support our customers in in, in every region. Uh, and I just see, uh, you know, uh, I just see monumental potential for what our our uh, our cybersecurity practice is going to be able to accomplish in 2021. Yeah, thanks. You were talking about the VSOC piece, which I was. Um, it, it'd be interesting for you to explain what that is and how you how you implement those for your clients. Sure. So. Um, you can traditionally go to a number of different platforms out there, and I'll name off a couple being Splunk or Logarithm, or um, maybe you've got something like, uh, like, like Prisma Access. You've got some type of logging capability or ag aggregating capability in your environment. And traditionally, the way that we um, will view events and security events is by watching these logs and these alerts come in. Um, those logs and alerts uh, over time have just really become the way that we get visibility into suspicious behavior and type inside an environment. And when those logs and alerts happen, they they will typically go to a security operations center, um, and they'll use that platform or that dashboard. Let's say you know a Splunk dashboard. Uh, and traditionally, what we've seen happen is those security analysts they're used to using those tools, but they're becoming they're getting overwhelmed. Uh, because there's so many mundane level ones and they're broken up into you know uh, levels between one and five they're becoming overwhelmed uh, to the point where uh, they really need a an augmented section of their uh, you know something that just an additional uh, an additional component where they can say can you take this much of the you know the visibility and can you help us with this because we can't continue to hire FTEs to be able to handle the bandwidth or we don't have you know to increase the bandwidth one, they'll never be able to hire enough people because of because of the onslaught of, of events that come in. So um, really that managed services component that we've built leverages automation to the hilt. It leverages um, robotic process automation. And I'm using some buzzwords like AI and ML, but really it is baked in. And we're bringing some of that machine learning and automation uh, to combat the problem of that alert fatigue. and we're doing that very well there's some other you know there's some other uh, partners that are also doing that very well and and it, it allows us to fight machine versus machine and i know that you know that seems like a very you know, 2020 thing to say but we weren't doing that before i mean it's always been there's always been some type of manual breakdown in the process and our goal and what we were creating was to automate completely through so that there's almost a zero touch from a 
from a manual perspective, other than the uh, other than finally someone making a decision on the playbook that's going to run if um, these this criteria is met. So the list of criteria has been um, uh, you know adjusted and looked at, and you know we've got a great team here at Presidio that has uh, has gone through and just created a really great offering. Um, so that's happening, and and that's what our VSOC services is going to look like. But really. Um, what we also wanted to do is make it portable, meaning I, we wanted you to be able to keep the platform that you're on and uh, we can help you manage it. And we've created just hundreds of APIs that are able to go into you know, your environment, you can keep what you have, and then our team can kind of couple onto that and we can manage it for you. And of course, we've got our automation in the background that we'll just kind of link and then we'll just run our stuff in addition. Uh, and in most cases, uh, customers are going, wow, we had no idea that you could automate this. Um, you know, thank you for showing us this. And then uh, they're getting the output of that and they're getting that the, the ability to leverage our automation that we've baked in through API. So we're excited about it. Um, it's certainly taking off and um, you know, it, it, we, we continue to refine it uh, as well. It's a continuous process where, where we're gonna make sure that we're bringing the best technology and the best automation to bear uh, because you know we but we think that certainly we are off to a great start and we're looking forward to to more uh to more and more you know business as we're as we continue um what, what, how, how do you how do you um identify these partners how do you work with them yeah so traditionally um our partnership levels you know uh, we've just done business uh with a, a number of tremendous partners their specialty may be a little bit different so we work with palo alto and cisco uh, you know traditionally very well those are all always our number one and number two partners across the board they do a great job on everything from edge to visibility into this you know, into the sock they have solutions basically around everything that we've talked about so far today and those two are certainly our primary partners um, I know that you know Cisco is working on uh, SecureX, which will be like the hub of all the different spokes of their security products, and that's really working out well. We engage them because you know customers have already have traditionally already brought them in, have them have already leveraged you know some type of. Um, you know, investment into the technology that they have there. So when we go into an environment and we say, you know, tell us what the shop looks like, tell us what your environment looks like, what are you using to protect yourself? Um, you know, we'll have in, you know, at least in my head, there's probably a dozen things that I'm listening for, for them to tell me that they've got covered. And as you go through a list, and if I were to, to have a capabilities perspective, um, you know, I'm asking about endpoint, I'm asking about, you know, edge, I'm asking about what they're doing for email security, how they're uh, establishing asset inventory. And I'm really following that NIST CSF or maybe that CIS 20 uh, governance risk and compliance framework as I'm listening for these things. And our customers really tell us which partners that they're working with and which, which uh, brand that they prefer, you know, to have conversations around and really what they've adopted in their environment. We take that and we go back and we say, okay, you, you mentioned eight of the 12 things that I typically listen for around best practice. Here are four other partners that you might not be thinking of that work in this space. Veronis is a good example because um, they tackle uh, the, the data really. And that's a, it's a, it's a great spot to start. I'm always starting with the data and, and how it's encrypted, how it lives and breathes and traverses the network and really understanding where it's at. Um, if you, especially with the the um, the edge kind of dissolving if you don't have a good handle on your data who's accessing it when and from where and how um, if you can't answer those questions your traditional uh, focus of you know focusing on the edge as that moves away 
you've got to get even closer to the data. So Veronis is a really great uh, option in that field and they do a great job around that. And I think you mentioned a couple more, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about cyber defenses. Um, I mentioned some of the incident response that we do. Cyber defenses has been our partner on incident response and I've done no less than a dozen engagements with that team. Um, and really what they, they bring to the table is that incident, uh, they bring rigor around that security incident response or that critical incident response team. Um, they, they bring in forensics, they know how to run that triage and, and, and then move from triage to stabilization to recovery. They know how to help companies get there. Um, and they're doing that investigation. They're trying to get to that attribution. Where is box one? What, how do they get in here? And answer that question as to how did, you know, not only how did I get compromised, but what was taken? Um, and what does that look like from a, a governance risk and compliance standpoint? And then I heard you, you mentioned Arctic Wolf as well. Arctic Wolf has been a tremendous partner to me in North Central, um, and they do such a great job on the SIM and the SOC offering as well. Um, and, and they have their own you know, SOC as a service offering. And really what sets Arctic Wolf apart is, is uh, their white glove concierge service approach to it. Uh, I can tell you that I have so many different customers that are just so happy with uh, how Arctic Wolf handles this, uh, the, the SOC as a service and really what that team does from that concierge white glove perspective where it, it, my customers just feel like Arctic Wolf has got it handled in, in so many cases that they do and we complement each other. I know that there's some competing services there, but we complement each other because um, if Arctic Wolf is in the account, uh, we've got we've got some testing and assessment services where we can you know launch a tabletop exercise and really work on purple team uh, exercises with them uh, having having those uh, those services. So I'm not uh, I'm I don't believe that the, there's there's always you know one service for everybody. It really depends on the environment. So um, I lead you know where I can with Presidio services, but we really have great partners all around. So how formal are these partnerships, and how or how fluid are they? You know, it depends. Like, we really rely on the customers, right? So, um, a customer will come to me and they'll say, "Listen, uh, Dave, we're we're moving into the cloud. We've got a couple of workloads that we've got in mind, um, but we don't have a CASB in place yet. We're using this for MFA. We're using this for identity access management. We've got privilege management over here, and I don't like all the dashboards. And many CISOs will tell me I want to consolidate around something like this." Okta is a great example because they have that. They've got a CASB, they've got identity access management, they've got privilege management. They've also got an MFA. So I can consolidate that dashboard. Not that you have to, you know, single pane of glass is not something I subscribe to, but also just best of breed and making sure that you've got the certain things in, in place to make sure that all the bases are covered. Certainly that's that's in my portfolio. And, and Okta is a great example of how to do that. Now that's something where a customer will come to me and, and they're moving to the cloud and that's just one piece that they needed some subject matter expertise on. So that, that's where that partnership will come in. And I, I'll know, you know that I've got a, maybe two or three partners that, that focus on that area. And, um, and I give the customer the option. I, and I'll bring all three of them forward. Uh, maybe it's Secure Auth uh, in addition to, to Okta or maybe it's um, you know, Duo uh, MFA in addition to Okta. And I'll just you know, make those, I'll make those uh, introductions we'll have those conversations, we'll demo the, the product and the customer will really say, this is one I think that fits best. And sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't, so. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. Thanks so much for, for, for explaining that in so much uh, clarity, you know. With your military background, is it helpful in, 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 the, in the work you do and I, the, way you, the way you do it? I do. Um, and I would say that it has been, um, is extremely helpful. Uh, you know, I, I started my career in the United States Marine Corps, and what I was doing in the Marines and for the Marines was uh, to wrap encryption 
uh, around communications. And these are communications that uh, really matter, life and death communications, you know, regimental communications from, you know, uh, we, would, we would roll out encryption from the Pentagon, um, you know, daily out to the field. And that gets right down to the, to the Marine field radio operator uh, and how to encrypt all that traffic. And, and, and the, the net of a failure on the communications part or missing something is that someone from, you know, a, a, the enemy or the adversary is going to be able to hear those communications, which would be life or death for, you know, for, for people. So coming out of an environment like that um, and then moving into the corporate world, the leadership style that the Marines gave me, one of the key takeaways that I took out of the Marines is never ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do and always lead by example. Um, and so that's something that I've always brought with me. Uh, it's a team effort there. I've never, I've never accomplished anything alone. Um, and I think that uh, that carries over from the Marines and, and having the dependability, knowing that if, if, um, you know, if something got missed or got by me, that there were three other Marines ready to pick that up right behind me. I think that that mentality and that philosophy that I brought into the corporate world with me has, has really resonated. Um, I've always had the ability to translate tech uh, to the board and, and, uh, you know, we, we, we call that breaking it down Barney style on the Marines. And all that means is just break it down to the most simple common denominator and give it to me in as few words as possible so that I can, so that I can really, um, you know, distill what you've said and I can get to, uh, I can get to it conceptually, uh, and rapidly. Um, so what I've been able to do is sometimes, you know, in technology, you get people that, uh, they're really down in the weeds. And uh, there's this gap between what a board member understands and absorbs in that conversation. And that technical resource could be spot on. Everything he said could have been completely accurate, but just the way that they deliver it or way it was delivered um, will be lost in translation to the board member or C-level. And I've made a career from sitting in the middle and being able to translate what that means in as few words as possible, because I know that board member is busy. I know that C-level, I know that CISO is busy. Here's what they mean. This is why they need it. And this is why I can talk to the business outcomes that he is trying to you know, relay and why it's, it's important and why it's a priority to do this correctly. And I've been able to do that successfully throughout my career. And I don't see that um, you know, that philosophy is ever gonna go away. Uh, I've, I, I've seen that, that that's just being more and more adopted. I've, I've had more and more conversations around it. And so far people like the way that I translate it, even though I still have a little bit of that Marine in me, uh, you know, and I, I but uh, I try and I try and make sure that I'm following uh, all the corporate jargon that I can um, in my translation as well. Yeah, I mean, you're clearly a very, very good communicator and, and, and I wish everybody that I spoke to had the facts in organized way in their mind and, and were able to speak them so fluently. Yeah, definitely. And I think well, that's probably me benefiting from your marine marines. <laughs> well, thank you. What about um, I've said your values. It's a, it's a catch-all word that you know. Uh, what things in life and at work drive your your, your choices, your decisions, your um your 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 thinking. You know. Yeah. You, so you can interpret that how you like. Sure. So for me, um, I have a large family. I've got uh, five kids. 
Um, so there, I don't have a lot of free time and really um, everything outside of, of work is dedicated to them. And I just, I, I like to see, um, you know, the teamwork that we have and I like to, I like to see them growing up, but really, you know, uh, the value system that I subscribe to is, is always about that team effort, really. And that, 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 that goes from family that goes into the workplace. Um, I don't accomplish anything alone. Certainly, you know, my family does everything together and certainly my team at work, we do everything together. And, and, and I think embracing that early on as a Marine and, and just understanding that, you know, uh, you know, we can get, we can do so much more with a collective mindset and making a collective decision. And you're not, uh, you're, you're, you're not an individual that's making decisions. You're not on your own. That comes with some, um, you know, that's something that comes with some safety and that's on both sides. So that can be, that can be in the family setting and, um, and it can also, you know, it definitely also carries over into, uh, you know, my, my work ethic and everything that I do uh, is kind of based around, you know, that teamwork mentality and, and, and let's do what's best. Uh, and, and not just what I think is best, but let, let's, let's solicit the, uh, let's solicit, you know, a, a hive mindset from everybody and collectively say, you know, we all agree that this is the way we should move forward. I've just seen that be such, so highly successful. Um, whereas maybe early on in my career, I was more of a trailblazer and trying to just, you know, kind of dictate and say, this is the way you should do it. I've really come away from that over the years and really adopted, let's talk to people and let's understand what everybody wants to do before we just start blazing new trails. Absolutely. Are you, are you, are you kids following you? Are they tech minded? Uh, some of them, I yeah, I've got my my youngest absolutely is, uh, and my oldest is uh, is a, is a freshman or I'm sorry, he's a sophomore now at Michigan State. And I think uh, you know some of them are, um, you know, there's a there's a criminology side of me as well with my uh, my association, you know, with the FBI and in my criminal justice background. I think some of them might follow that uh, and go towards you know kind of the the law enforcement side of the house. Um, and certainly there's, there's, there's definitely room for that as well. Um, and if they want to apply some of their technical skills to law enforcement, there's a, there's a little bit of that happening as well, but we'll see what happens. You know, my last question, we've already covered it. It's about the, um, you know, about the military. You've talked up to that quite a bit. So we were talking about, about, um, you mentioned LinkedIn and uh, evolved an awful lot. Um, come a long way and you find it valuable in your, your, um, networking. I do. I think that for, you know, for, for maybe on the personal social side, Facebook's still around, but I think from a, from a business social side and networking side, I think that that's really where LinkedIn took over. I mean, certainly they still have the jobs and the postings and you can find, you can go on there, you know, it used to be a job board, but they did a great job of adopting the social side of networking. And I think, you know, for the business professional, that, that is the go-to place for those conversations. So um, I certainly, you know, enjoy that. Um, and I enjoy the content that I see, you know, as I scroll through and it's, it's, it's interesting to keep tabs on where people go for sure, but um, more for the thought leadership for me. I'm seeing thought leadership coming from almost every entity that I follow, you know, from the Bureau to, you know, the, the Department of Homeland Security and CISA on down to, you know, to they're just they're just generating a lot of really good content that I feel the enterprise just ha doesn't have a hold of yet. And I, and I and I like to echo some of that out there, but I do feel like that's a great platform, you know, to be a part of. There are others out there, but uh, that, that's kind of one of my favorites that I that I check in on frequently. Thank you very, very much. indeed. I really enjoyed talking to you. Same here. Thank you so much for your time.